of Performance Publishing Group, making a difference one story at a time. We'll be shining the light on successful founders, entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are getting results and making a difference. We'll talk about how they built their businesses, are creating movements, and leveraging the power of authority in their own lives. Be sure to stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. everybody. Welcome to the Power of Authority Spotlight, where we shine the light on successful business owners, leaders, founders, people that are building businesses and making a difference along the way. We have a great guest today who's going to be talking about the founder's evolution, and we'll be digging in in just a moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Performance Publishing. Performance Publishing helps people to get their stories out of their head onto paper and get those books published so that they can start using it as their business card to build their platform. If you have ever thought about writing a book but don't know where to start, go to performancepublishinggroup.com, grab a free strategy call. More than happy to walk you through the process and see if writing a book is right for you. Again, that is performancepublishinggroup.com. All right, let's dive in and introduce you to our guest today. His name is Scott Ritzheimer, and he is passionate about helping founders take their leadership and their organization to the next level. He helps start nearly 20,000 new businesses and nonprofits, and with his business partner, led their multi-million dollar businesses or business through an exceptional and extended growth phase over 10 years of double-digit growth. That's impressive. All before he turned 35. Today, he helps founders and CEOs identify and implement the one essential strategy that they need right now to get them on the fast track to predictable success. His website is scalearchitects.com. Welcome to the show, Scott. Michelle, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. I am so excited to talk to you because I am a founder. I own my own business and I have since 2009, but I know the listeners are also business owners. They're founders, they're leaders. Uh, or people that are wanting to build a business. And and I know from your background and what you've been doing all these years, you, you, you've learned a few things about what it takes to really build scale and, and, uh, and, and grow a successful business. So let's dive right in and, and tell me more about what is Scale Architects and how do you help founders? Yeah, it's a great question. Scale Architects is uh, really a, a, a dream that came out of my heart from what I wish I had when I was a founder, right? I, I think so many great businesses come from that place of, man, if this was only around uh, back then. And, and what had happened was, uh, I mean, the first executive team meeting that I was in, I was leading. Uh, I was 22 years old. I had no idea what I was doing. Absolutely no idea. I made a total fool out of myself. Uh, and it was it was awful. I mean, it was just awful. It was so embarrassing. Uh, I, I ended up, um, I, I had not gone to college ahead of time. And so I ended up uh, going to college later uh, in, in my 20s. And I actually wrote a paper on how terrible that meeting was because it was that bad. But it, it was, and, and you know, we got through it and it was fine. And, and it, you know, it was, it was rather inconsequential. There were some mistakes I made that weren't that inconsequential. But the hard part about it was, He's just leading, especially that young. Um, uh, there, everything was a first for me, right? And and I, I just didn't have anything to go off of. And it, we were we had largely created the industry that we were in. Uh, there, there weren't a whole lot. Of, there wasn't a big industry. There weren't a whole lot of competitors who did what we did. And it was really hard to look outside of ourselves and see a reflection somewhere. Mm. And, and that made it feel very lonely. 
right? For a while, especially when you're that young, it felt kind of cool. Like it was like, we're, we're, we're doing this, you know, (laughs) we've got it. And, and to an extent we did for a little while at least, but that, that falls apart really quickly when you don't got it, you know, you start hitting some things. I I remember the first time that one of my leaders, I, I ended up having to fire one of my leaders. Well, like most founders, my leaders were all my best friends. You know, it was just all the, the people that uh, either by virtue of I just spent all my time with them because we were working a lot or because they were my friends. And that's why I trusted them enough to hire them and put them in a great position. It, that's hard, right? Like that, that's really hard. Uh, I remember uh, we went through this this stint where uh, we were growing and growing, especially our top line, but our bottom line was shrinking, actually. And so the more we sold, the less of it we kept. And, and that can happen. It's like, oh, well, it's just that's part of growing. And then it happens again the next year. And it happens again the next year. And we dropped all the way down into single digit uh, profitability, which for some industries is kind of normal. For us, that meant we had reduced it in, in, by half. And, and it wasn't because we didn't try to fix anything. I mean, there's a three-year period where we tried, we threw everything in the kitchen sink at it. I mean, we read all the business books, you know, name all the big authors. Like we were trying all of it and it was helpful. It was good. It, it moved us forward, but it, it never fundamentally changed anything. We got better at our current level. We never actually reached the next level. Ooh, yeah. And And what ended up happening and the reason why that happened is because we didn't actually know what the level was. I had no language for it. And, and this is true for almost every single founder out there. You say, hey, wh- do you want to get to the next level? What are they going to say? Of course. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And then you say, what is the next level? What does that look name like? it. Yeah, name it. What, what what do you call it, right? And it was no idea. And and so what happened for us, I'll land the plane here. Uh was we're in it we had moved from one stage to the next as an organization and had no idea that that was a thing and it was causing us to cause problems, causing us to trip over our own feet. Uh and and it was causing us to lose a ton of money. And it was actually a podcast like this. I, I heard a guy had a funny Irish accent. I can say that because he's a dear friend of mine now. But um, yeah, he, he has this funny, and he starts talking about this super exciting thing called business life cycle stages, right? Very exciting. And, and but it was captivating because it was like this guy's got a camera in my office. How in the world does he know this? And for the very first time, I actually understood what level we were in. And based on that simple podcast, I was finally able to name the next level we'd been trying to get to. And I, I went out, I got his book, uh, which I, I know is a big part of your world. Uh, and it, it completely transformed my life. Um, it, it, was, you know, it was the book that had existed for a while, but it, I had always hoped I could have, you know, and it gave us a roadmap for exactly what we needed to do in that stage at that time to get to the next level. We tripled our bottom line in a single year. And I, I absolutely fell in love with it. So the answer to your story, Scale Architects, is, is that bottled up. I, I got together with the gentleman, his name's Les McEwen. The book is called Predictable Success. And, uh, and he and I work together now to help companies achieve predictable success to get out of that really nasty stage that we call whitewater and get into predictable success. Yeah, I think everyone listening who has a business can relate to this, especially your story about the early years. And I'm curious, what was the business, what was the industry you were in? Uh, yes, yeah, so it was a business called... Yes, it was a business called Start Church, and that's what we did. We helped start churches and then nonprofits and then businesses as we progressed uh, all across the country. And so well, we got to work in both the nonprofit world and the for-profit world 
Uh, we've got to work with nonprofits as a for-profits. All the messiness and weirdness of that uh, is a whole nother ball game. But uh, the thing that I learned in doing that, and especially being able to do it at scale, that 20,000 is not a made up number. We really helped that many organizations to launch uh, and many of them to scale. Uh, some of the fastest growing uh, businesses and nonprofits in the country uh, back in those days. And um, when you see that many people and, and then you realize, hey, they're actually the, they're the same, like nonprofit founders and, and visionary entrepreneurs are cut from the same cloth, right? There's slightly different motivations. Uh, the organizations are different conduits, but they're all visionaries at heart. And when you see that many of them, and then when you do start to see, this is where I, I did start to see the reflection of their journey in mine, right? And real, it's like, oh, wow, I'm walking the same road that they are. There's something that we're all doing here. Uh, it, it was it was that experience, especially the opportunity to get to do that early in my career. Um, but I started to see there's a pattern that every single one of them was going through. There's a pattern that I was going through. Uh, and and as much as there are distinct stages that businesses go through, which is what the Predictable Success book uh, helps, you know, full organizations to understand and, and to overcome, I realize that there are stages that we go through personally, particularly as founders, uh, and and we needed a map there as well. Interesting. Let's talk about that because, you know, it, anyone who owns a business knows it's 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 an interesting road and you know, not everybody is cut out for that. But once you, but once you're, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, there is no other way. <laughs> There's no going back to corporate America. This is, we're going to make this work one way or another. So what do you mean about how, how as the the person part of this change, I am going to get into the business and, and all of that, but let's talk about the personal side first. Well, the, here's news and, and every founder gets this, but it's probably helpful to say your business rise and falls on you. Right. It, it, it will increase when you can expand and it will decrease if you bottle it up. And so uh, it, it, there's there's a lot of things that are really unique about the founder's journey that other leadership journeys, other you know, experiences uh, just don't parallel with. So one of them is that the centrality of a founder to the health of their organization. Uh, if you don't do this right, uh, you're going to you're going to limit the growth of your organization or you're going to watch it die as soon as you leave. I mean, that, that's really what it boils down to. So there's a centrality in the role that a founder has. And, and there's a there's a pros and cons to that. The plus is if you get it, if you understand what the journey is and you know the two or three things that you need to do, your entire organization will accelerate. There are very few people who get to do that, right? But founders can't because, because of that centrality, it, it allows you to unlock greater growth than others would have available to them. Now, the con of it is if you get stuck, you know, your organization's getting stuck with you. So but another part about the journey for founders that's that's a little different is it, let's take a, the the leadership journey of an em employee. Every time they change stages, they tend to change titles as well, right? So, for example, you take someone that early in their career, they're a frontline worker, they're awesome at it. Excuse me, they're just absolutely crushing it. I'm choking on myself. Uh, they're crushing it, and and what happens? Like, hey, I, I, this person's got leadership potential. Let's put them in a management role. Yes. And so they become a frontline manager, shift supervisor or something like that. And, and that's a hard transition to make. Moving from doing to leading or managing is that's a, that's challenging. But at least they understand why it's happened. Right. There's something external saying, hey, the game has changed. Your role has changed and you need to adapt to succeed. Well, when does that same transition happen for a founder? Mm. Right. It Because it, it happens. 
But is it when you hire your first employee? Is it when you hire your 50th employee? Is it uh, if you have contract? Like, when does that actually happen? And and so if you, you kind of add all this up, here's, here's uh, put it all together. What is the title on your first uh, business card as a founder? You may not have even started the business yet, but what does your, what does your, uh, your business card say? What did mine say? Yeah. Oh, my very first one said speaker, author, coach. <laughs> yeah, speaker, author, coach, right? Uh, and many will be founder, CEO. Yes. Right. And, uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and and the reality of it is you're not going to be CEO until stage five. Wow. There are there are five distinct stages that will take place before you really actually become a CEO. That's fascinating. And so what are those stages and, and what are the strategies? That's a really, really big deal. Now, I know in the Founders Evolution, which is your book that you walk uh, business owners, founders through those, there's seven stages actually, right? Yeah. And and I know we, we don't have enough time on this podcast to dive into all of them. So really, really quickly, um, I, I really want to understand what that journey looks like. And then what are the most critical stages for people that are listening? So what can they, so they can take something and and really apply it to their business? There, again, there are seven different stages and they go from pre-launch, the dissatisfied employee to post-exit, what I call the visionary founder. And it covers every part of the journey there. So if you wanna, if you're thinking about selling your business one day, if you're thinking about uh, transitioning it to your kids, if you wanna own it for a really long time, if you're a solopreneur, every single one of those journeys fits in those seven stages. And what tends to happen is that the earlier stages kind of make sense. There's some stuff we get wrong about them, but they, they, they tend to make sense. The later stages kind of make sense. Again, there's some stuff that we get wrong with them, but they're okay. Where most folks get stuck is right in the messy middle, stages three, four, and five. Uh, and, and the reason for that is particularly for stages three and four, they are the ones that we are least naturally inclined to do as founders. When you look at the natural strengths and abilities of a founder, uh, those are not the natural strengths that our, our organization needs during those, those stages. So. Stage three is what I call the reluctant manager. And, and, and here's what makes this stage so hard. Uh, it's when you've, I say it's when you've hired a handful, right? You've got a handful of people around. Sometimes that's five, 10, sometimes it's three, sometimes it's you know 13, uh, but you got a handful of people. Here's what really marks when the stage has changed. You wake up one morning and, you, and the, the defining thought, the first question that hits your mind is, what is wrong with these people? Right? Because let's, they don't think like you, they don't act like you, they don't make decisions like you do. Uh, and, and what makes it so hard is that to have enough success to get to that stage, you've gotta be really, really good at stage two. I call it the star player, right? Or the startup mm -hmm. entrepreneur. And so the better you are as a star player, think about a sports field, the best players on the field don't always become the best captains. Right? Think about your employees. The best individual contributors don't necessarily make the best managers. In fact, the better you are as that star player, that, that the better you are as a coach, right? The better you are as a salesperson, it's actually the harder it is to, to train someone else to do it, to hand it off to somebody else because the gap is so big and it's so hard to overcome. And, and that leads to a, a, a frustration and a reluctance and a, res, a, a resentment. And, and the symptom of it, other than having that question burning in your mind, the main symptom is you've added people and you feel like it, it's actually getting harder and harder, not easier and easier. <laughs> yes. Right, that, 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 is, that is case in point, the reluctant manager stage. And, and, and there's some, some 
tricks to get through that, right? But fundamentally what you have to do, and again, I don't say this as if it's easy, uh, but it is clear is that you have to embrace management. There's some rudimentary management. You don't have to be the best manager ever. No founder in the world has ever started a company to go be a manager, right? That, that's not why we do this. But if you want to get to the next stage, you have to succeed at being a manager. Uh, and there's the right way to do it. There's a wrong way to do it. There's the right people to manage, the wrong people to manage. But if you can just start to wrap your mind around, hey, we got to get rid of the reluctant side of things. And we just have to be a good manager for a little while. And that's what's going to accelerate growth like nothing else. So what happens? So we're past reluctant, embracing that management. So you move into stage four. What is stage four? So stage four. Uh, so there's a funny story uh, that I like to use to kind of explain what's going on in stage four. So uh, we have uh, we've got a two year old. She is absolutely awesome. Um, but when she was in the first few years of her life, we never got out. My wife and I, I was like, we were we are home, right? Because we had two older boys. Uh, they're 12 and 10 now. We had a big gap between them. So finding a babysitter that could handle that crazy oh, yeah. was just it was not easy. So we decided we're going to do it. Like we're going for this. We're getting out of the house. We are going to go watch Top Gun Maverick, right? Uh, and it just kind of in the theaters. No one goes to theaters anymore, right? We don't have time for that, but we, we were going to do it. And so we get in there and, and it's like, it was chaos getting out the door, but it's just like, we're making this happen. So we get in, we're, we're watching the movie. It's great. And about 20-ish minutes before the end of the movie, we get a call. It's the SOS call from the babysitter saying like, I, I, I'm help, right? Get here now. So we run out of the back of the theater and everyone was fine. It was no like major thing, but I didn't see the last 20 minutes of Maverick for like three years, three years. Now, if you stop at Maverick, like everything that can go wrong has gone wrong. He's gotten shot down like three times at this point. You know, like there are people with bigger guns and faster planes. It's just, it's bad, bad news. And you take, take any epic, awesome movie that's this heroic journey, about 20 minutes left in the show, 10 minutes left in the show, it's really, really bad. If you stop movies there, they are downright depressing. Everything that can go wrong has gone wrong. And the reason that I bring this up is because stage four tends to be that. It, it is about 20 minutes before the end of the movie. And, and I call it the disillusioned leader. Uh, and, and, and here's what makes it so hard mm. is that as a founder, you're used to getting out there and making it happen. And, and then you bring some other people around them and there's this initial boost and it's great. Uh, and the company is growing and everything from the outside actually looks like it's doing pretty well but you're quietly dying on the inside, right? It's just, you feel like you're constricted. It doesn't feel like there's as much room for vision in the organization anymore. Uh, you feel sidelined a lot, like you've got a sales team now and, and you keep trying to get involved and you realize you're messing things up. Uh, and, and, and you're like this coach on the sideline and, and you know what needs to happen, but you can't make it happen with your own hands anymore. You have to hope that your team can do it. You have to let them do it and you have to let them fail sometimes. And, and it leaves us kind of what, like, what do I do, right? Like, what's my role? How do I help? Like, I, I just feel like I'm screwing stuff up all the time. And, and we're left with this question, like, is this it? Like, we've hit some big milestones, right? You hit $5 million and, and you used to think $5 million was like, you'd be the richest person in the world if you hit $5 million. And then you get there and you realize, it's bigger, but it's not actually better. And you don't keep a whole lot of that $5 million. And, and so if you kind of trace it back, 
there's this romanticism of the earlier stages, this nostalgia of the earlier stages. And we remember when like hitting that reluctant manager stage happened. And then we remember when hitting the, the disillusioned leader stage happened. And it just feels like we're moving down into the right, not up into the right. And I'm starting to see a pattern here. And we're in that, we're in that stage it's, and it's right before the biggest transformation that you get to make as a founder. It, you are moments away from the denouement. You are moments away from that massive, massive victory. But if you stop there, if you stall out there, which a lot of founders do, it's like stopping the movie before there's 20 minutes left. You miss the major transformation. You miss the heroic journey. And, and so a lot of a lot of folks, yeah, a lot of folks get there and they they just cannot figure out how to get how to get the organization to grow if they're not the one pushing it forward. Mm, wow, such a great analogy. I love it totally. I, I know that stage. Um, don't we know them all? But that's so elite. So a founder listening who's saying, "Yeah, okay, I'm there." I don't see how it's going though. What's the next step? Is there hope? You're, I'm, I know there's hope because there's a six. There is hope. Here's the coolest <laughs> part of stage four. This, the coolest part of stage four is that when you do it right, you get to stage five. And stage five is the single biggest transformation of, of any one stage to the next. And, and most folks, especially if they've been in stage four for a long time, it's actually hard to believe if I were to really describe it for you. Uh, for, for many folks in stage four, they think they, they just don't have the capacity to take their organization further. And it, it, it couldn't be further from the truth. If you are a visionary leader and you want to make the change, if you want to make that transition, if you want to step into stage five, that's the only prerequisite, right? You have to want it. Because what's so special about founders is that if, you, if they set their mind to something, they're gonna make it happen. Right. So. Uh, in, in the book, I give a few steps on stage four and how to do that. But effectively, what you need to do to get into stage five is, is where you actually take on the CEO role for the very first time. You, you have to start letting go of founder and start embracing CEO. Uh, you've got to transition your leadership team from a group of folks that are primarily there to execute on what you say to a group of executives who can help you make unbelievably great decisions to move the whole company forward. Uh, one of the the biggest lessons that I, I, I work with folks, and it can take a little while to really get this, but you have to start making people decisions, not policy decisions, mm -hmm. right? You have to stop exercising your superstar skill in decision-making and build a high quality decision-making mm -hmm. team. About the team, yeah. And when you do that, so much of the stuff that you've been wearing that just doesn't fit, right? So many of the tasks that you've been hanging on to that you're not actually that great at, you just think you are. So many of the things that you think you're supposed to do, uh, you don't actually have to do. So many of the things that you think no one else can do, many other people can do. And when you start embracing this role of CEO, you actually get to step back into that visionary seat that you really haven't seen since the, you know, the early days, right? You yeah. actually get to start to, to, to do visionary things. You get to start thinking about the future again. You get to start working on projects that, that don't necessarily matter right now. You don't have to hit this year's goals because you have a whole team that can do it. And it is borderline magical stepping into that CEO role. And, uh, and, and it, it is the effect of, for those who are down in that stage four, you're wondering, is this it? No, that's not it. It gets so mm -hmm. much better. Wow. 
Just tell me what is the name of, I don't know that we have time to go through six and seven, but what are the names of those stages? Yep. The name of six is the true owner, where we actually step out of, of running our company and owning it. Ah. Uh, now, the big thing here is we try and get there without going through three, four, and five first, right? <laughs> so, and, and, and I show why in the book, but uh, when you've done the hard work of, of getting to stage five the right way, of developing the skill set that's necessary, it unlocks the one thing that's necessary to really get to the true owner seat and do it right. So that your company doesn't just stall out or start to slide, but actually accelerates in the succession. Uh, it's very, mm -hmm. very cool. And then very last, but by no means least, is stage seven. And that's the visionary founder. It's like being in the Hall of Fame, right? It's getting back into the game purely out of the love of it. Uh, there, are, there are a good number of coaches there who are visionary founders. They've, they've done their thing. They've, they've built their business. They've, they've, they've suffered the hard challenges of that. And now they're back in it just to help others do it. And uh, it, it's really, it, there's this Greek proverb that says, society grows great when old men plant trees under whose shade they will never sit. I love that. I love that. And, and it's where we actually get to start pouring into things that we won't see come to pass in our lifetime. And, and it's really special. So you work with companies and I imagine, you know, most of which are in that three, four stage, probably, I'm guessing. And I know no two companies are the same, but generally speaking, what, how long does it really take and how much work is it required for somebody to move from, say, three to six? Yeah. So each of the stages, uh, especially if you, you do the right activities at each stage and, and especially if you want to progress, because you don't necessarily need to progress through all seven yeah. stages. It's not always up and to the right. Sometimes it's best to just stay in particularly stage two yeah. uh, and, so and have a blast there. Wanting it. They're ready. They're but if you want it, you really want to drive it. Uh, the stages get longer as they go. So you can get through stage three in usually one to three years. You can get through stage four in probably two to four to five years. And you can, and then you can stay in stage five for five, 10, 20 years. Uh, so each of the stages gets a little bit longer as you go through it. This is not something that happens overnight. And, and, and here's why this is really important. One of the problems with, with putting a map out there, naming the seven stages, especially putting them in order, is that our visionaries are like, give me seven, right? Like, um, or give me six. Like, I want to get there and they're in three. Uh, yeah. and, and so what happens is you're going, you know, contentment, fulfillment do not come from a destination. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not going to be any happier in stage five than you are today if you don't learn how to be happy today in the stage that you're in. And so I just had this conversation uh, with a, one of my clients. We just moved him out of stage three uh, last year into stage four, and he's wrestling with some of the challenges of that stage. And, and I told him, I said, hey, there is no rush to get through this. And in fact, each stage, there's something really special about that stage that you don't get in any other stage. There's, I call it the joy of the stage. There's something about that stage that, that at least in the future, you will not have access to in the way that you do now. So the key to the journey is not actually about rapidly escalating through each of the stages. That's fine. But the key to the journey is actually finding the joy in every stage along the way. Mm, what a wonderful parallel to just life in general, right? We're always seeking the goal. We're always looking for, you know, when you're in high school, you can't wait to get to college. When you're in college, you can't wait to graduate. When you graduate, you can't wait to get to marry, marry kids. And so we tend to do that. So it sounds like it's the same parallel as, look, and, and running a business. I love that you've broken it down into these seven stages and it makes absolute total sense, but we can't, you're not going to go from one to seven overnight. And so that's a really long time to not be enjoying the journey. 
you know? So Absolutely. I really like that. That it's, And it's, it's a decision. It's being aware of, you know, things may not be exactly where you want them, but they're so much better than where they were, you know? Yep. I love that. So all of this is broken out in your book, The Founder's Evolution. Yep. And I know you do a lot of, um, you know, coaching and the, around this whole concept. So where can people get the book? Where can they uh, get in contact with you to learn more about how you can help them specifically in yeah. their book? So we've got a free copy, a free digital copy for anyone who wants it. It's on the website. Uh, I, I, I half jokingly say this is a book written for founders. It's about half the length of a normal book because I know founders don't necessarily have time to read the full length of a normal book. So we've cut it down. Uh, and, and also it's organized by chapter and by stage. So there's an introduction and then each chapter has a stage. So you can go right to the stage that you feel like you're in right now. And, and here's what you're going to find. You're going to understand why that stage is happening, which is really helpful because it, it, it feels like it's happening to you. A lot of times it feels like you're screwing up or you did something wrong. But in fact, most of the time you move from one stage to the next because you did something right. You experience these hard challenges because you did the right thing in the previous stage. So it's just helpful to know you're not crazy. You're not alone in this. This is a normal part of the process. <clears throat> And then the next part uh, that it's going to do is give you somewhere between three and five, what I call essential strategies. There are so many things fighting for your attention. There are so many things you're doing every single week when in fact, there's usually just two or three that you really need to dial in on. Mm -hmm. And so I give just a quick explanation of what each of those are. And uh, what I've found with folks who've been through the book, who've applied the principles, they're saving on average about 10 hours a week coming wow. out of it just by recognizing there's so many things that you used to, you're doing that you used to be doing and you don't need to be doing anymore. Or there's so many things you think you need to be doing because someone told you that you should do it that you don't actually have to do yet. That'll come in a later stage. And so it's just this really freeing process of recognizing, hey, I just actually have to do a couple of things. I have to do those couple of things really well because those things are hard enough as it is. You do not have to pile more on top. So Go get a copy of the book. It's on our website, scalearchitects.com. You can click the free book or go to scalearchitects.com slash founders and, uh, and get it there. And, and I promise if you go in, you find your, your stage, uh, you work through those things, you'll save an enormous amount of time. I love this. I absolutely love it. And the word you use free, I was thinking this is, it's freedom. It's freedom in knowing that you're not alone. There is hope there's, but keep going. And um, you know, it, I can relate to so much of this because as a, a founder, uh, with that visionary spirit and, you know, it, 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 there's the ups, there's the downs, but ultimately it's, it's all worth it, you know, in the long run. And so I love this. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Scott. This was an awesome interview. I so appreciate you. Michelle, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right, everyone. That's it for the Power of Authority Spotlight today. But hey, definitely check out Scott's book, The Founder's Evolution. I know so many of you listening can relate to this. Um, and, and it doesn't really matter what stage you're in. I'm imagining many of you are in that two to five stage range right now. So figuring out where you are and then taking on that, um, you know, the discipline to, to do the work to get to the next phase, it is worth it in the long run. Um, and so I will be reading that book along with the rest of you. So we'll uh, all be evolving together. We'll see you next time on the show. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Power of Authority Spotlight. If you are a successful founder, entrepreneur, business owner, or leader that's getting results and making a difference, and you'd like to be on this program, please visit performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast to apply. That's performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast. 
Also, if you got something out of this interview, please share this episode. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag, the power of authority spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our websites, performancepublishinggroup.com or michelleprince.com. And follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.